Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam from Back Patio Network, and as always, my good friend, Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, is here to talk about the OVAs of My Hero Academia proper. We've been reading Vigilantes. This week we are talking about the fan favorites, uh, the, the heroes of Class 1A. Oh, it's good to be back with them, man. The the intro to this, like just hearing the music, hearing Deku's voice, it, it got me pretty stoked. Yeah, I had uh, I'd actually forgotten how much I missed just seeing these characters because yeah. all we have done for months of real time is vigilante stuff, which has been excellent. In fact, if you haven't heard us say it before, I will say it one more time for good measure, uh, the vigilante stuff is really good. In fact, at times, not this last episode that we recorded, but at times I would put it on at least the same level as my hero, uh, if not a tad better in some places, it's really good. It's got its place, man. I've really been enjoying it, but it felt really good to hear that my hero academia, like theme music boot up, you know, and just seeing all these students again and seeing the teachers. It was, it's, it was great. These two episodes really reinvigorated my love for the show. Like, I can't wait for season five. Yeah, I will say, and we'll we'll get into this in just a second when we start talking about these episodes. Um, but as excited as I was to get back with Class One A, they the, the the concept of these two episodes lost me almost immediately, um, and I mean, just really burned me. <laughs> and I'll talk about really? that. Yes. <laughs> you, okay. I, All right. I'm surprised you don't already have a guess as to why, but. This, these OVAs, uh, they're called uh, Make It, Do or Die, Survival Training uh, Part 1 and 2. They take place before the provisional licensing exam. Um, and the whole setup for this is that uh, Aizawa is basically saying, hey, listen, the provisional licensing exam, almost every year they have a section on disaster rescue, which because we have the benefit of hindsight, they do actually include. It's the second part of the provisional licensing exam, um, them going and rescuing um, the uh, the actors from the debris. Quite poorly for some of them, I may add. Yes, and being assaulted by a gang orca, uh, who is still awesome. Um, yeah, one of the most so, terrifying heroes of all time. Yeah, so Aizawa is correct, and he's trying to be helpful, so he's going to kind of put them through one more test. And this is kind of like, I mean, I thought of it as kind of like, you take the pre-SAT before you take the SAT, or you take mm-hmm. practice SATs, um, you know, older ones that they had cycled out over and over again, just getting some reps in, basically, um, to to kind of knock loose some of the cobwebs and get rid of some of the jitters and give you a little bit of a taste of what you might be expecting uh, when that provisional licensing exam, which is super important, finally rolls around to being a reality in your life. So good setup, perfectly fine, makes total sense. Yeah, and they pretty much immediately start off the bat with splitting up the class 1a into two different teams uh team a and team b and these two episodes only follow team a and this is where they lost me adam is it really yeah i mean it's got todoroki team a's got like some really good people on it who were you wanting to be on team a that you didn't get to see you know who so here's team a ida sue ochako bakugo midoriya kaminari kirishima momo todoroki and tokoyami it's half the class 10 out of 20 relegated to team b ayoyama mina ojiro koda sato shoji sero hagakure mineta and jiro jiro is really the only one that i feel like you're super upset about yes she's the (laughs) only one that i'm super upset about but to be fair like as seriously in my notes i'm just like team b really um of I'll, i'll i'll say this much once you are familiar with how these two episodes play out. 
I understand why Jiro was not included because they make a whole lot of sense of including some of these other characters. But at the same time, I could make a pretty good case for why they could have not included Tokoyami, for instance, and had Jiro in there. And but it would have just been to please me. Well, it's not like I I'm don't know. I almost disagree because I I could see how having Jiro in place of Tokoyami would have made a lot more sense. And the reason I say that is. Just to set up a little bit, they are going to a crisis where an underground mall has caught on fire. So you're going to send the guy that can't control his crazy demonic shadow beast in the darkness underground. Or you could send Jiro who could plug into the wall and basically create a map in her brain of the underground mall. But that would be unnecessary is what I'm saying. It would have like, been cool. They had a map. Yeah, Momo but, had the map. I don't know. And the the dummy doesn't have a heartbeat, so Jiro couldn't identify it that way. Like, there's a lot of reasons why I understand that they left Jiro out. But she shouldn't be Team B. That's all I'm saying. Well, and see, maybe they shouldn't have called it, like, Team A and Team B. Because B does have a negative connotation. Like, you guys may not be able to complete it as well as Team A. I'm probably the only person in the whole wide world who cares this much about Jiro <laughs> not being featured in this at all. Because that's the other thing, is it's like, we've been so long apart from this class, and then they, they say, hey, we're, we're going to let you get a taste, and it's only going to be half that class. I mean, even when they're sitting in the classroom, you barely catch glimpses of most of the characters, and the only ones that get like introduced or have any lines whatsoever are Team A folks who are just excited that they're on the same team. And then I was just like, when they talked about Team B, they didn't even talk about it. They did, These people were not named at all in this episode. They were nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, dang. I mean, I had to populate Team B's roster by going and looking at the class roster and making note of who wasn't on Team A because there's nothing in these OVAs that say Team B is going to go do the same thing or something else over here. Nothing. I'm surprised They're that just there non-existent. weren't two more OVAs with Team B, honestly. I know I'm asking a lot and I'm just being a Jiro fanboy because I am, but I was really like, I was like, dang it. I really wanted to see Jiro and all I got was her in the opening to the show pretty much. Um, but again, it's just me. The, I'm not knocking team A at all. I think I could just out of a desire to see Jiro make reasonable arguments for why she should have been in anybody else's place in team A <laughs> um, if given enough time. But it's neither here nor there, but I just wanted to be upfront that w- as soon as she was on Team B, I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to get to see her. And it, it really b- bumped me out. That's funny. I didn't, honestly, I didn't even notice. Uh, oh my gosh, I, how dare you? I know, I know, I'm horrible. I really would have liked to have seen how Team B handled this situation, though, just because I feel like they have more flaky characters on their team, if that makes sense. Like, we've witnessed several of Team B's characters pretty much shut down in the line of action. In the regular show. So, I mean, they're definitely the more minor characters, but I would, of, of those that they consider minor characters, Jiro has, uh, I think one of the stronger arguments for being not considered a minor character. I would Um, agree. So, uh, I mean, and Mineta too, to be completely fair, um, is he is way more prevalent in the anime for the, the obvious creeper in, and pseudo humor reasons than most of the other uh, people on team B. But anyway, I'll get off my, my angry soapbox for now. They're, <laughs> they're told to report to ground beta, which is a place that we're actually familiar with um, because other things took place there. Like the heroes versus villains um, exercise that they did. And so did the fight between Bakugo and Midoriya when they kind of stepped out of uh, the dorms to throw down in, se- in quote unquote secrecy. That was also on ground beta. 
Yeah, and once they meet up, they pretty much are immediately given a map. Uh, they're, it's handed over to Momo of this underground mall that has collapsed. It's several layers deep. I think total of like seven layers, maybe. Yeah, six floors total goes down to B six. Yeah, so uh, it is. Uh, it's pretty far underground, and there is something that happened that caused a fire, and there were a couple of people that didn't get out. Specifically, they were told one person did not get out of the fire, and they need to go rescue that individual. Uh, Momo's been given the map, like I mentioned, so she's kind of looking it over with the entire group, and she really takes lead in this this beginning scene here because she just starts like kind of barking out orders, like, "All right, we're gonna have you two team up, you two team up. I'll be with Ida, and of course, Bakugo goes off on his own. Uh, but she's really trying to get together like a battle plan. I I still kind of go back and forth on whether or not I think that this is a mischaracterization of Momo, given where this takes place in the timeline. Um, and I had the same thought with the school briefs and I don't have the timeline of the, the show all that well grasped in my mind, but was this, this is after when they did that, that, uh, exercise with Aizawa, right? Where it was Momo and Todoroki. This is, this is after that, right? I think so. Yeah. So long as it is after that, I'm fine with Momo I think it makes more running sense. point. Yeah. yeah, it makes a lot more sense. If it was before that, then yeah, I think that's a bit of a mischaracterization, yeah. but I believe that it takes place right after that. I think I think it definitely I, I think it takes place afterwards. Now in the school briefs volume that I'm getting ready to do a filler episode on, that is definitely before the Aizawa and Todoroki thing, and she takes charge in there. And I felt like that was off some, but it's a minor quibble. Um, she does take some charge here. Um, they are told that the power is out, um, but there is emergency power that is currently on. So there's a generator that is working right now, much to the relief of Tokoyami and Dark Shadow. Uh, Midoriya also notices that he doesn't have signal on his phone. Um, I assume that he was looking to see if All Might had texted him in the two minutes since he looked at his phone last. <laughs> um, but he does, he makes the comment that, you know, we don't have any reception and everybody sees that it, it's the same across uh, all of their all of their phones. So they decide to set a uh, an established rendezvous, which is pretty, pretty smart. Yeah, and around this time, it's funny because Bakugo is starting to get kind of pissed off that they're taking so long to come up with, like, how they're going to infiltrate the mall, how they're going to rescue the person that's stuck down there, what they're going to do about the, like, like, all these different things. And so he just walks off. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go rescue the guy. You're taking too long. And, and at first, they're all like, what are you doing? And he's like, that person's been down there for a while. We're standing up here trying to figure out what to do. Like, why, why are you guys just waiting around? And so Kirishima and Kaminari kind of like his idea and... They decide to uh, go off with him, and it, there's a really funny moment where Kirishima is talking to Deku, I think it was, or maybe Momo, and he's like, all right, well, we'll try and meet up with you guys later, and when we do, we'll attempt to bring Bakugo. Yeah, I think Kirishima and Kaminari go with him mostly because they're uncomfortable with him going off by himself. I don't know that they're, like, in with his plan, because um, Bakugo is spouting off his mouth like he usually does. He says something like, I'll show you the difference between between us, between me and the rest of you extras, which is a term that, again, he uses in this mm -hmm. um, episode. But uh, the rest of them that are hanging back, the seven that are left, break up into interesting groups as well, um, sends Midoriya into one of his muttering fits. Um, so you have grouped off that they're going to split up to try to cover more ground because they don't know what floor that this last, this unevacked uh, person is is trapped in or hiding on. 
So uh, it's Midoriya, Nochako, and Sue are all paired together. And then you have Todoroki and Tokoyami. And then lastly, Momo and Ida. And we get this muttering scene that I love because they use Deku's like muttering in a way to explain all of these situations in way more detail than really they need to. But I like that they utilize like his personality quirk to tell the audience why they're doing what they're doing. Because he goes through and explains why it makes sense for all of their powers to be, you know, teamed up together the way that they have been and in the middle of him doing this Achako and Sue have to kind of like break him away from that like Achako's like hey Deku everybody's gone (laughs) (laughs) the other thing that I really like about his muttering fits is that they always happen in real time yeah so in a lot of other animes when you're in another character's head it seems like all narrative movement comes to a screeching halt Um, like time 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 dilates yeah. Um, but not with him because he's muttering and he's covering. He's impressed with Momo's because Momo's the one who split the teams up. He's impressed with her selections. He says the only problem that he sees is that his group is the only one that's unable to pr- produce its own light. Because um, Momo obviously could make um, flashlights if she wanted to and uh, Todoroki. Fire. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, he gets interrupted. Um, so they start descending down um, into the mall. Um, they are each going to different floors. Um, so they're six. So they're each responsible for two floors because they don't know where Bakugo has gone off to. But they, I think they do say that they assume he went down to the to the bottom floor. I think they say something like that, but I could be wrong. I think you're right. Yeah. And it, we get this awesome scene of like all of the individual groups kind of just working together. And one thing that I really, really liked was seeing Tokoyami and Todoroki's like communication skills. Because there's a bit where they're walking through and it's kind of a darker area and, and Todoroki's like, hey, is is everything okay? Like, is, is the light good enough? Do you need me to produce more or less? You know, is everything all right? Like, can you control Dark Shadow? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine right now. And I don't know. I just thought that was a really nice touch. Like, just the fact that the two of them were working so well together. I agree. And I think Tokoyami gets more speaking lines in these two OVAs than like the previous two seasons combined. Yeah, no joke. I felt like he was actually a character again. Because he's been off with uh, Hawks. Yeah, and and I think that that is a strong argument for why he was included in this particular team, besides the the cool tension that you described, where he's a character whose quirk is a little erratic um, at best in the darkness, and they're descending into a place that while there are emergency lights, it's still low light, dim light. So, you know, I think one of, this was a cool opportunity for us to get to see more of him, who we don't typically see much of. So uh, I'm, I was for that. Even when he's around, he's often pretty quiet, too. So it was nice to see him have some kind of one on one time with a more of a what I'll call a main character from Class 1A. And they're both very quiet. I mean, typically. So for the conversations that takes place between them is significant, given how infrequently either of them really gets into a conv- like a into like conversation yeah 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 you're right but you know we, we we continue on into the ova and we keep going through all of the different groups and after we've cycled through all of them uh, an earthquake happens and it's one of those moments i i had to take a step back like pause it and go okay is it really an earthquake or are they going to introduce some crazy villain that has some crazy plot you know what I mean? Like I just I had this feeling where I was like, there's gonna be someone someone back from the past. Someone's gonna show up to try and ruin this and somehow they knew about it. And I'm very happy to say that the villain the whole time is just Mother Nature. I'm happy to say that too, because the one of the strengths of these specific OBAs is that you get to see quirks without combat 
or right. outside of combat, um, their application. And that's important. And we don't see that a ton. I mean, there are certainly times throughout the, um, you know, every season, starting with season one, where you get to see them applied in, in various different ways, but not all hero work is going to require them to leverage their quirks against somebody, something, instead of like we see during the actual thing that they're training for now in the provisional licensing exam, we get to see them leverage their quirks in order to affect a rescue. And so it was really cool to see them do that and not it just be another smash them up, beat them up kind of OVA, which I would have enjoyed, sure. But um, I think that that is one of the better strengths of these two episodes. Yeah, the practical the practicality of their quirks in this is is really fun. Like just getting to see them work in ways that maybe I wouldn't have thought of. Um, but while all of this is going down, the lights go out and the floor starts crumbling from beneath their feet. Uh, there's a couple of funny moments here after they fall through the first floor that they're on, where Sue pops out of nowhere and like terrifies Midoriya half to death. Yeah, there's also a funny like through line joke where Sue has to keep reminding people to call her Sue because they refer to her as uh, her Asui. name. Asui. yeah. And I thought that was weird. Like, at this point in time in the show, I don't know that any of them call her Asui anymore. That, that got fixed at, like, USJ. I do think Ida does so fairly regularly because Maybe, he's very yeah. by the book. Like, that wouldn't seem out of character to me. But not Midoriya and some yeah. of the other folks. I, mean, I agree. Anyways, uh, so it turns out that the floor that they're on, all of the entrance and the exits are totally blocked off. And it sounds like it may be like falling down even more all around them at any second. Like you can hear this creaking sound. Uh, and they also start to hear Momo calling for help because it appears that Ida has been hurt. I really liked to, um, to, to back up just a little bit because I'm remembering some of this. When the earthquake actually strikes, there is a, there, somebody else gets scared and it's Kaminari. And he just grabs onto Bakugo like a child hiding behind his mother. That was <laughs> really funny. That. And of that group, of course, Kirishima's not going to care. He can harden and be fine. He's had giant robots fall on him and walk away unscathed. Kaminari's not like that. And so he just reflexively jumps behind Bakugo. Um, and that was really funny. And then I'm going to apologize, Adam and listeners, because it, it's not within character for me to have puns come to mind. <laughs> but I, during, while I was taking my notes, I, I had several puns just happen. Um, and so the first one is that Asui is involved in a jump scare. Yes, that's funny. I like that. I don't think it's funny, but it's in my notes. Um, <laughs> and there, there's at least two more that I will, I will deliver just as deadpan and slow and excruciatingly as I did that one. Um, but yeah, they're getting back to where you left off. They hear Momo yelling through the rubble that Ida has hurt, um, has been hurt. They don't really get into the specifics of how um, right then and there, but uh, it becomes that uh, Midoriya's group's mission basically to start making their way through that rock to try to affect uh, a medevac for, for Ida. That becomes priority number one. So they're not even really thinking about the... Uh, the dummy anymore not at the moment right. anyway right they're they're trying to handle the new crisis that's happening right in front of them and it turns out that they're able to do it relatively effectively uh, i mean this all happens later because we transition back to other scenes or other groups but basically they end up moving one rock at a time like they created a little assembly line where momo would uh use her uravity to Ochako. be a chaco not momo i don't know why i said momo a momo I think Momo had used glue to like keep the ceiling from from coming down after Midoriya made that recommendation. 
but uh, Achako is using gravity to make sure the stones are light enough for uh, Deku and Sue to move them out of the way one at a time, and they finally get through. But before all that takes place, uh, we do transition back over to Todoroki and Tokoyami. And Todoroki actually kind of at first, he doesn't think that it's an earthquake. He he thinks that the underground mall itself is just collapsing. And he's also trying to contemplate whether or not this is part of the test or if this was just a natural occurrence. But he like pretty quickly, he's like, it doesn't really matter. Like, we're still down here. There are other people down here. We got to we got to figure this out, you know. Uh, and it's super dark now, so they're kind of in this bad spot where they can't let Dark Shadow out, and Todoroki can't use his flames because it could burn up all the oxygen and they would suffocate. So it's really, you know, they're kind of in a bad spot. They're not too sure what they're going to do, because they, they definitely can't move all of those stones on their own that, the worth their setup. Yeah, and Tokoyami basically floats the idea that what if we just wait it out and wait for the adults to come and, and get us. Um, and that that's kind of uh, an option that's been placed on the table. Um, we, we check out with those two and catch up with Bakugo and co. Um, Bakugo, I love this too. Yeah, it is pretty great. Uh, some you know, probably the best thing about these outside of, like I said, seeing the quirks um, utilized outside of combat is some of the things that take place around Bakugo, particularly in the second part. So we'll talk about that then, but Bakugo gets, he is treated very well. In these yes. two episodes, in he, my opinion, he's given a lot of fan service. I would say, like, yeah. well, fan service probably isn't the right word, but he he is written very well in these these episodes. Um, one difference I do want to point out in this little bit, whenever we transition back over to the the three that are on the basement level, they have been kind of collapsed under the rubble as well, and Karashima just burst out from all the debris, like doesn't think about it doesn't consider the fact that maybe he could cause more damage or anything <laughs> like you know there was just an earthquake all this stuff fell maybe things might be fragile nope he just burst out that's <laughs> was awesome that's not even the worst gross negligence in this episode or the, in, you're, in these you're not two wrong. episodes it's because, just the beginning yeah there are a couple times where i'm just like you are not thinking you are being dumb um yeah and i'll point them out as as they come up but um it turns out that bakugo basically protected uh, Kaminari, he was blowing up the chunks as they fell, and then Kirishima imp- uh, imposed himself between those chunks and Kaminari because Kaminari is squishy. I was going to say there's a scene here where they're discussing this, and Bakugo is walking up, and I noticed that his the grenades that are around his hands are so big they've got to slow him down. Like there's no way he's as fast as he could be without those things. Those things have got to be like 20 pounds each. I, I'm not sure. I hadn't really thought about that. I assume that the people who are making the costumes have figured out a way to make them as light as possible so as not to hinder the thing that literally is the vehicle for his quirks. And not, I don't yeah. mean just the grenades themselves, but his palms. Like, it would True. be counterproductive for them to be like, here's 30 pounds for each of your forearms. That's um, exactly what I'm thinking. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it was just one of those things that I, I can't believe I had never thought of that before. Uh, but especially if they're storing some kind of liquid, like it sounds like they store his sweat, which is pretty gross. Yeah. Imagine if those leaked. You Definitely know, like... unsanitary. <laughs> and he has to smell. He, I mean, right. he's got to stink all the time. Um, Bakugo is kind of giving Kaminari a hard time because he's like, dude, Kaminari is feeling useless right now. Um, but Bakugo explains that it's actually Kaminari's quirk that's going to be the one that gets them out of the basement. Um, and Kaminari still hasn't figured out how, but Bakugo runs point. And they have a discussion that's similar to the one that Todoroki and Tokoyami have, uh, Kaminari and Kirishima do anyway, about maybe just sitting there and waiting. Um, but Bakugo says, you know, this isn't what All Might would do. All Might yeah. would, he would keep going, he would find uh, the 
you know, the, the lone lost individual and he would get out. Um, so Bakugo continues to be motivated by um, that that lofty goal of his of becoming the number one hero. And he ver- verbalizes that a couple times throughout this episode. So there's an awesome pun here, and I'm curious if you catched it. D- that I said? No, that you haven't said, but oh. you said you came up with a couple. I did. The whole it's time not here. that okay, so the whole time that uh, Kirishima and Bakugo are going off about how like if the number one can do it, then we should be able to do it too. Mm-hmm. Kaminari just keeps saying, "Man, you guys are getting way too worked up. You're getting too worked up." He should have been saying, "Getting amped up." Uh, yeah. Okay, I did not write that one down. Um, I don't have one left in this episode. I th- I think I think my okay. next two come in part two. Um, I did have a note too that Kirishima kind of uh, inspired by Bakugo's conversation about being motivated by All Might gets amped up about um, Crimson Riot and has this yeah. visual, this mental vi- uh, like picture of him come to mind. It was really and cool. It well, the thing that I I'm I'm primed to look at this stuff this way now because of COVID nineteen. Um, but the Crimson Riot when he calls him up it looks like he's wearing a kn95 mask like before it was cool oh it totally does he's wearing like a mask that you see people walking around every day in public with now um yeah yeah i was like oh dude he's he's being all uh health uh public health safety conscious um (laughs) but anyway the we kind of get out of there and catch back up with the midoriya's group they decide again that they need to medevac ida um, they use Ochako's quirk. They're, they're, the idea that Midoriya has is we'll get to an elevator shaft and then we'll just use Ochako's quirk to kind of float us all up to the top, which is pretty dang smart. And I'm always happy smart. to see Midoriya using his brain meats because that's that's awesome. Um, yep. And it's, it was also kind of neat to see that in the midst of a pretend rescue that they were actually effecting a very real one, which is pretty neat. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Uh, my next note is just that Kirishima is a can opener. Because there's a scene where like it's a metal door and he's just putting his fist yeah. through it and cuts a circle. <laughs> it does look like um like somebody used one of the um the tiny can openers that you get in the military. Shoot, I've got one in my bag. I can't remember what yeah. they're called. Like I know P- what you're talking P14s about. P14s or something like that. Yep. So they finally have made it to the basement. They're on what they call a B6. And it is like an absolute wreck. And right off the bat, Bakugo wants to know where the place with the least amount of damage is. Uh, I don't know why he's asking and not just looking, but for some reason, Hiroshima right. knows like immediately, like, I don't know. I know they had a map, but they didn't have it on them. And the amount of like knowledge engineering they have on this is insane. I have in my notes, it seems like he rolled a nat 20 on his knowledge engineering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think that he asked where the least damage was just because he walked in the room last. Um, okay. It was just being hasty, but he does. It's still impressive that he knows what he's about to reveal because Kaminari's like, why do we want to look in the place with the least damage? And Bakugo explains that it's because that's the, the place that is the sturdiest is where they're likely to have the emergency power. And he was right. Yep. So they walk into this little area. Uh, and it's really funny because he tells Kaminari to basically like spark his energy up and send it to the spare batteries. And at first Kaminari is kind of dragging his feet and he gets this deadpan look and just says, stop dragging your feet or I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kaminari gets all fueled up and he's about to just like absolutely wreck these batteries. So Bakugo has to stop him because he's like, if you put that much through it at once, you're just going to blow all the batteries up. Yeah, so he gets he stops smacked, him. and he's like spinning indefinitely in the background uh, yeah. as Bakugo explains that two million volts is going to wreck these batteries. So instead, he just grabs the cables and is doing like a 
a much like a smaller charge. charge. It made me think of, um, did you see the movie Shazam, the DC movie? Yes, yeah. Where he's walking through that business and he's just like, your phone's charged, your phone's charged. And then yep. he, he says, your phone's charged to like the third guy and his blows up. Yep. <laughs> that was, that was pretty It made funny. me think of when they were using uh, Kaminari to charge their phones. Yeah, in the classroom. Yeah, so. Yeah. Oh, but man. Then we... I was going to say too, so we, we, once they get the power back on, we, we go back to uh, Midoriya's group and I was, my next note is that we got so close to, to seeing the, the long awaited, much anticipated return of the rainbow vomit. And they denied <laughs> yep. it to me again. I was so frustrated because <laughs> Ochako even, they've, she's been using her uh, quirk to make all these bricks and, and uh, pieces of debris light. So she's exerted herself and she steps away and is like doubled over a little bit. Uh, looks like she's about to hurl and it never comes. And I was like... This was the time to bring it back. I've been wanting to... We've only seen it once, and, and they made such a big deal of it that first time, and I'm desperate to see it again for some crazy sick reason, I guess. <laughs> bring well, back I, the rainbow vomit. Hashtag like, bring back rainbow vomit. 56 episodes later, and you want to see the rainbow vomit. Yes, I do. <laughs> and I don't... You, you can say that that says whatever about me all you want. I just... I really liked that gimmick because I thought it was silly early on, and they completely abandoned it, and I, it I want a, it back really silly effect to have um but i like it and i think that's funny uh well after we see you, you know you mentioned that she's like worn out from having moved all of these stones and whatnot but she's also levitating Ida and several other people as well up that elevator shaft so no wonder mm -hmm. she's getting sick oh yeah no doubt i mean that's what yeah. i'm saying the yeah. rainbow vomit was justified this was the moment oh man and it could have come from the top of the elevator shaft too oh. she could have started throwing up there it could have been a whole thing giant they, splatters down at the bottom people wondering all over why go yep missed opportunity <laughs> i'm telling you well, so Todoroki and Tokoyami are trying to move some debris when the floor collapses again, and this time uh, Todoroki starts to fall through, so Dark Shadow comes out just kind of like reflexively uh, to help, but the moment that he comes out, like he completely loses control, I say he, Tokoyami loses control, and it is a nightmare. Like, it's more debris starting to fall, Deku realizes that he's kind of got like a split second decision to make. And he goes after a bunch of the debris. Uh, and the moment that all of this is kind of happening, dark shadow, like starts to really get huge and lose his mind and the lights come on. And it's so funny because like immediately Tokoyami has control and dark shadows like whimpering in the yeah. background. Cowering again. It looks like he yeah. has tears in his eyes. If I remember right. Yep. But now Todoroki has hit his head. Originally it was Ida. Like Ida had saved Momo from getting wrecked by a bunch of boulders that were falling down and hit his leg and then ran into the wall, which seems like so un Ida like. I mean, he's he's the one that's always paying extreme attention to detail and like overanalyzing everything. Not quite to the extent that Deku does, but him having a speed quirk running into a wall like that felt really weird to me. I'm gonna no prize it. Um you know, if like I've done some trail running and if you're running and you think that you're in control, but then all of a sudden your foot catches a snag like on a route, it's whatever control you thought you had is gone in a it's heartbeat. Gone. OK, that's fair. And so he he was using his quirk to get Momo out of the way. And then a rock literally fell and like crushed one of his little leg uh, armor pieces. And so that that little jerk, even if it didn't bring him to a complete stop, that little disruption in in his feet movement. I mean, I could totally see him kind of doing that arms waving wildly as his you know his body weight shifts too far forward and he ends up crashing into the wall yeah that's true 
but yeah, uh, we didn't cover his injuries, but basically he's got a hurt leg and, and, um, he was, he's unconscious. I think there, there's a moment where he mentions like wanting to continue on and they, they make a mention of how honorable he is for it, but yeah, he's still kind of hazy and dazed. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that we noticed too, right at the end of this episode is that a dark shadow in his kind of fury has, um, increased the damage on this particular level. And we start to see some water, um, start to leak through some of the cracks on, uh, and on, is it on this level or in the basement? It seems like it's remember. on the basement. Uh, and in between all of this happening, we transition back over to Kaminari, who is now in stupid mode. Hey. Yeah. And Todoroki wakes up uh, and like he apologizes. They kind of apologize to each other. Like Todoroki and Tokoyami kind of have like a bro out moment. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you're right. So basement walls crack and now water is pouring into this underground mall. Like. Every bad thing that could happen in an underground mall is happening to these kids right now. Like, it was on fire, it crumbled, now it's filling full of water. And that brings us into part two. Um, The Midoriya crew has successfully gotten um, Ida up, or they've gotten him to the elevator shaft. And his plan becomes, uh, instead of all of us floating up there all together... Let's make sure Ida, of course, gets out of there and Momo, and then Momo can create uh, a long rope ladder to to uh, put it down so that the other members of Class 1A can be told, hey, make it to this elevator shaft and there will be a rope ladder so that you can get out of here yourself. Um, of course, Ochako and Sue also ascend with with Ida and Momo, but that becomes the new plan. Um, lower a rope ladder, you set the exfil point for everybody. Um, and then uh, that becomes everybody's exit plan. But uh, Midori wants to stay behind just to, in the event that other students from 1A might be stuck or hurt. He's going to go investigate. Definitely. And his power set out of that group is the best for that. Absolutely. And we get a great scene right after this of Tokoyami and Todoroki discussing the power getting turned back on. Yes. And Toka, Todoroki just makes the comment. He's like, you know, someone fixed the power or someone sent Denki Kaminari. But someone told him what to do. Like, he did not have that idea. They were. He's very insistent that this was not Kaminari's doing on purpose. Yep, and he says, like, great. only three people would have known that. Either Momo, Midoriya, or Bakugo. And then we transition back over to Bakugo. I thought it was a really good way to handle that segue. Uh, it and- was great. But but you got to slow down, because here comes my second pun. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So, Todoroki says, I'm sure someone was telling Kaminari what to do. And I just wrote in my notes, sick burn. <laughs> from Todoroki <laughs> that's too much man oh it gets the next one might be even worse Uh-oh. it's definitely uh, yeah there's two more um the next one is probably the weakest of the bunch so brace yourselves okay. um, but yeah we catch we catch back up um <laughs> with the boys and um they find the dummy but it's like stuck in the middle of this big pile of debris so they're trying to figure out how to extricate it without causing everything to fall well, and um, then the water starts to leak through, too. So now they're facing two adversaries. Here's my favorite thing, though. Maybe maybe my favorite line of either episode. They, they're like, how do we get them out? And, of course, Bakugo's just like, we blow it up. Yeah, and then yeah. Kirishima's just like, well, hold on. I thought I explained it clearly. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite line. Is He was just like, but wait a minute. I thought that I had gone over how we can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that awesome. was my favorite little burn or uh, little jab at Bakugo from Kirishima. And it had to have been him because there's no way Kaminari would say something like that. No, no. Kaminari's kind of been like wimping out the whole two episodes, really. I mean, he gets to shine a little bit with the uh, with the uh, the power recharging the generator. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, his idea. He, he yeah, I mean, yeah, kind yeah. of. 
But Bakugo basically rephrases it this way. He says, if it was a real human crying out for help, would you just leave them there? Um, and that, that seems to seal it. And so they have confidence in Bakugo's plan. So uh, he Bakugo just says, let's just hurry up and start, you damn extras. Uh, which which was, uh, you know... It's very Bakugo. On, yeah, it was, it, was, it was in character for Bakugo there. And their plan is pretty awesome. I mean, the way that they just... It's like... Kirishima uses the hardening to get up to the dummy while Bakugo is blasting using his snipe shot and Kaminari is using the uh, like electricity gun. I mean it's pretty cool. They're they're able to get the uh the dummy out safely, relatively safely, I so assume. And here's the next pun. You ready? This one's not the best. It's the worst of the four, quality-wise. I said that there's awesome rock in the background. Because <laughs> there was awesome rock in the back. Not only is there debris everywhere, but the soundtrack really kicked up uh, in into a high gear for this particular um, rescue effort. It and did. It, did, did it did it look like Kaminari and Bakugo made that explosion behind Kirishima to propel him out from debris that was falling? Was that intentional, or That's, was that just I, how I read that? I think that was intentional. Yeah, that, okay. it seemed like it that was, was part cool. of the plan. It was really cool. It was really yeah, they were well just going to blast him out of there, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. It was pretty cool. Uh, but back up to the surface, uh, we've got Momo and Achako and Sue, and they're actually conversing with uh, a Mr. Aizawa and the nurse, who is a medical lady, medical girl, recovery girl. That's recovery girl. There we go. Uh, so they're up there talking with the two teachers, and they're kind of freaking out. Like, I mean, they they seem like they're kind of doing the whole, like, hey, you know, there's some crazy stuff going on down there. Like, what's going on? Did you guys know about this? Like, Ida's hurt. There could be way more people that are hurt. And Aizawa pretty much just tells them how it is. He's like, look, this was an accident within expectations. If you can't get past a crisis like this, you're not going to pass your provisioning exam. So they immediately kind of buck up and they're like, okay, like we're the heroes now because they mentioned like, well, if there are people down there that are in need, you know, what, what happens? And he says, well, there are people that now need to be saved. Go be heroes. Yeah. I really like that. Ochako worries that there might be other heroes from 1A trapped down there. And he just says that they're not heroes anymore. They're victims. So yeah. go, go and save them. It I also cool. thought it was pretty ironic that Aizawa was like, if you can't pass this, you're not going to pass the provisional. And I just pictured Bakugo and Todoroki in the background just hanging their heads and going, oh, because they don't pass their provisional <laughs> licensing exam. You're right. You're right. And, to and Bakugo is totally running point on this. Like, he's he's a big part of, I think um, in a scene right before we catch up with Aizawa, Todoroki pieces together that Bakugo is actually still participating in the training. Yeah, he does. He does. He's like, uh, he's still doing the rescue mission. <laughs> yeah. He turned, Bakugo is the one that turned the power on and he's down there making explosions. He's still doing the training. Um, but yeah, irony is that we know that they don't get their provisional licensing exams right away. Um, much to the chagrin of, of Bakugo more than Todoroki. But. For sure. Well, and I'm, I'm really curious what you think about this because... As the uh, the girls are walking off, the nurse actually asks Aizawa if he's going overboard. Like, don't you think this is a little too much? And he says, I've made arrangements to deal with the worst if it happens. And I was just thinking, like, okay, so did he just make a quick cell phone call to all these kids' parents? Like, hey, just so you know, we're on a training exercise and your kid might die. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, they have to have some <laughs> insane medical waivers for UA. But it's also... You know, it's a different world. And the, w when Aizawa said that, I initially thought that what he was implying was that like All Might was really close nearby and can make a, you know, quick rescue attempt. Would All Might have retired at this point? I think this is post uh, All for One. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're probably right. But yeah, that just in my brain, that's what I thought anyway. Um, I just like either that, that or he had already made funeral arrangements. That was what so. I was thinking, too. Like, he's already <laughs> got caskets for everybody just in his homeroom. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that Cementos was actually at the bottom of all this. Like, he could just, oh. you know, raise the whole underground mall or he built it or something. That would have been crazy. Yeah. We get uh, Todoroki... Um, kind of zeroes in on where Bakugo is making the, the explosions and creates a hole in the ceiling without knowing where those people are below him, which is gross negligence. It's not the last one in this episode, but he just blasts this hole down. Um, or maybe it was Dark Shadow. It was Dark Shadow, yeah. Tokuyami uses Dark Shadow to like blow through that floor to get to the basement level. And you're right, he has no idea. It they just been so happened right that there. they weren't under that exact spot, but it was real close. It was close enough that like, they were well within like a couple of steps of being crushed. Absolutely. And Bakugo gets all upset. He's just like, who asked for your help? Here comes my next pun. Because Todoroki acts all cool. <laughs> that's the end of my puns, oh, I man. promise. Uh, thank you. I'm glad it's the end of them. I, me too. The first few me were too. really funny. I, I actually, I like puns. I'm not going to lie. I know they're not your favorite, but I enjoyed them from time to time. And there were a few good ones there, so... Yeah first one was the best Todoroki is using his eyes powers to actually like save everybody it's pretty cool he has this massive like just icicle that goes down to the basement floor and they all use it to climb up to the top it was pretty neat so they're they're trying to outrun the water but they realize that with the rate that it's rising they need to get the the victim out quick and Todoroki pulls the trigger and it's just like get out of here like I'll I'll freeze the top layer I'll slow it down so that way you guys can get out and it's pretty neat because, like, a couple of floors away, I think, Midoriya actually starts to notice the temperature drop. So he realizes that more than likely Todoroki is probably trying to hold back the building from collapsing. He doesn't realize that there's water yet. Uh, so he he just bursts through a wall and he runs into the rest of the crew that was down there, yep. uh, including Kaminari and Kirishima. But Bakugo's not with them. And he basically is telling them, like, hey you know, Bakugo stayed behind to save Todoroki. So Bakugo's still on this mission, and he is now seeing Todoroki as the victim. It's it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and up top, they've got Momo pulling out rope like crazy insane quickly uh, from her chest into the elevator, so that way these victims can now climb up. And my only thought was, it's a shame that Mineta wasn't in this group for that reason only. <laughs> yeah. This is that that thing where Midoriya just kicks open a hole in the wall again, not knowing who or what might have been on the other side. That's the other gross negligence. Like they were coming up a, a set of stairs like six feet away from where he just blasts a hole in the wall. He just I really lucky. hated that animation in general, too. Like the animation for that looked weird because in one scene he goes full cowling like two percent or something to bust through the wall. And then the next scene is just him like nonchalantly walking out of it like yeah. he didn't just destroy a wall right in front of people that he could have easily have killed yeah i agree that one really stood out to me i was like this feels weird the kirishima he points them towards the midoriya points that that group with the with the dummy and all towards the rope ladder and when they get there it's really cool because momo's still creating it like you were saying and it hasn't quite reached the bottom and uh, kirishima calls up to momo and he says i'm sure you're tired and i'm sorry but we're really counting on you um, and yeah. I just really super liked that line. Um, and she's from, like from whispering Kirishima. plus ultra. Yeah. Yeah. She says plus ultra. And I was just like that, that that's some of the best, like, I mean, it was only a four second thing, but I was like, that is really well written. I like seeing 
those students really encourage one another. Um, and we get to see a little bit more of that here when Midoriya catches up to Bakugo and Todoroki. You know, they're asking Bakugo why, why he's still here. Todoroki's like, why are you still here? And Bakugo's like, I don't want to owe you anything. Yeah. <laughs> but then Midoriya shows up and he starts, he comes to the same conclusion. Actually, Midoriya hasn't arrived. He's trying to think through what's going on. And he arrives at the exact same conclusion that Bakugo does. Bakugo begins explaining that creating this basically cap or or like top layer of ice is pressurizing the water below it. And eventually it's going to pop. And so they come up with this idea that they're going to basically use that as their means of escape. And Bakugo, or uh, Midoriya shows up and he says, he's thinking on the way down there, what would Kachan do? Which would make for a really weird bracelet, WWKD. Um, <laughs> but he does get there, has a similar idea, but instead of Bakugo creating the hole in the ice, Midoriya is going to do it and allow Bakugo to focus on blasting the ceiling out, which is all cool and all. And, you know, it looks cool when they do it, but I also found it kind of dumb and needlessly dangerous. I know I totally agree because they don't know if the other group has made it up to the top floor. They have no idea if they've made it up the elevator shaft. Like they could still be trying to get up to the main entrance when they pull off this maneuver and they collapse the underground mall even more. That or, you know, they as human beings are buoyant. So instead of getting on top of a cork and trying to blast their way out and hope that none of the things that they're blasting actually come down on their heads, they could have just blasted holes and just tread water and let the water level rise them up to the top and it wouldn't be so That's violent and dangerous. Too. Yeah, I but I feel like maybe they were worried about the pressure at this point like causing the ice to turn into projectiles. I don't know. It seemed it was a fine plan. It's executed fine, but it was a lot of danger in that. I was like, I think you know, if you take 10 more minutes you might be able to figure out a different way around this. Yeah. I mean, you could have just like ran the way you came. It seemed like yeah, the, Midoriya yeah. got down there pretty Midoriya. Pretty quick. Yeah, that's the other thing. Midoriya got to that spot from the 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 rope, and I know that they had said earlier that all of the entrances and exits exits were blocked. But Midoriya created a bunch to get to where these guys are. So it could have just been an easy thing of like, hey, I know we need to do this quickly, but if we hurry, we might be able to get to the rope ladder. The whole the whole exfiltration point that I had established with Momo and the uh, Momo and company to get out of here. Um, but yeah. I guess they, they make it sound like it's a lot more like time sensitive than I think it probably actually could have been. But again, it's, sure. it's just written that way. It's in the script that, that it, you know, they want to have this bombastic cool ending. Cause it wouldn't have been a good end to the OVA for them to just jog through the rest of the underground mall. <laughs> like and climb I, up the ladder. Yeah, yeah. I totally get that. <laughs> I do like that when Midoriya shows up on the scene, like he already knows what Bakugo is planning to do. So he doesn't even bring up like, what's the plan? He just yeah. says, okay, change of plans. This is how we're doing it now. Uh, and Bakugo is kind of mad that, you know, Midoriya was able to figure out what he was thinking, which I thought was funny. Uh, but they pull off their move. I mean, he goes into full cowling. He like kicks a hole in the ice. It creates a geyser. Todoroki creates some ice that they stand on. It shoots them up through the ceiling and they get through several layers that way until they finally get to like one layer where Bakugo goes to, you know, bust out the, the ceiling and he doesn't get it completely. So Midoriya does it. Todoroki has to catch him and then it just kind of cuts. So you can assume that they don't fully make it through because the next time we pick up with them, they're like spread out all over the place and like under rubble. I don't know. It's kind of strange. Yeah. So I want to talk about that scene. But there are a couple things that happen kind of in between that or during the rescue attempt. The timeline's weird because you jump back and forth, right? Right, right. 
but it's it is kind of cool because there's a conversation up top with Ochako where she says Midoriya said that he could save them, so I believe he can do that. And then she says, plus it'll it'll take more than that to get the best of Todoroki and Bakugo. Um, and I just really liked her saying that. Um, and then you have Ida, yeah. who is strapped to um, a board basically, who's continues to lead even while he's disabled because he's um, he starts. They, they come to the conclusion that they need to be ready to receive these guys up at the top. And so he's, he starts helping orchestrate this other rescue attempt. And as he's doing that, we get as close to a smile as we're ever going to see from Aizawa, who's kind of watching all this take place from a distance next to recovery girl. But in the, in the, the wake of their geyser ride, this is, it's the second time in this episode or in this, uh, in this series of OVAs that this has happened. And um, it struck me both times, but I only took a note on it once here, where something happens where, uh, you know, uh, the members of a group lose track of one another for a minute. And the first thing that the first two people that find one another do is have relatively casual conversation, given their circumstances, (laughs) without first being like, oh, where's the other person who's supposed to be here? So this is the second time that someone, Midoriya, or a group of people, which was Midoriya and whoever else that he's with, forget to take a head count before getting sidetracked with asinine stuff, truly. And I was just like, True. what, what, how, because they did it to Sue earlier. Like, uh, Ochako reaches out, floats Midoriya, they don't get crushed by rubble, they land, they talk about how cool that was, and then they're like, oh yeah, wasn't there somebody else here too? <laughs> and it's the same thing happens here. <laughs> It's kind of jarring, but I I kind of chalked it up to the idea that they trust the other like classmates to take care of their own. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was just I strange. Was, I didn't like yeah, it. But it I is can what see it that. Is. Well, and it's the transition to this scene is kind of weird too because like Todoroki's like burning his way out of some ice or something, and Mid- Midoriya's passed out, and they can't find Bakugo. And you're right, they like they're like, well, how's the weather up here? Yeah, you know. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden they're like. Oh, he's over there and he's bleeding and his legs are crushed. We got to save him. You know, it's an immediate crisis. Uh, and Deku's freaking out over the top of him. And it's so funny because Bakugo just headbutts him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, stop screaming in my ear, you know? And uh, so they are able to get him out. And there, there is this real big, like, I call it a bro moment between Bakugo and Midoriya where Bakugo refuses to let them help him out of this situation. And Midoriya is just like, man, like you, you wanted to be the hero. You stayed behind to save Todoroki. Let me stay behind to save you. Like, I just want to take care of you. You're my friend. Why can't we both win in this situation? Yeah. And it's great because Bakugo looks at him and is just like, no, I refuse. And then he says, be my king. Yeah. <laughs> I love to, this is where earlier I had mentioned that Bakugo gets handled really well. And it's this conversation between Midoriya and him. Because Midori is basically telling him, listen, you've been a hero this whole time. Let let me be a hero for you. And he's one of the things that Midori says is, listen, you turned on the power to make it easier for everyone to get out. And Bakugo denies it. He's like, no, I just turned it on so that I could find the, the civilian dummy. And then Bakugo counters that with, or uh, Midori counters that with, then why did you stay behind? Like he yeah. he is calling Bakugo out on some macho BS is what he's doing. He's He is saying, you are... You are more heroic and soft and thoughtful than you're giving yourself credit for. And I really liked that because it's true. I mean, it was accurate. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I, they, he, he pulled that same like macho BS earlier whenever he saved Kaminari because he told him like, I didn't save you. I saved your quirk. 
Right. And we know that's not true. I mean, like, he wants to be the number one for a reason. He doesn't do it just because he wants to be the number one. I mean, he wants to take care of people. He just doesn't like to admit it. Yeah. And he, you know, like he said, he he refuses to say that Midoriya is helping him. Instead, he turns Midoriya into a tool of his by right. saying, be my cane. And then Midoriya keeps, like, gushing and talking. And so <laughs> Baka goes, like, canes don't talk. And then Midoriya keeps yeah. talking, and Baka goes, just like, dude, you're, you're still talking. Shut shut the hell up, nerd. Yeah, and he puts great. his hand over his mouth, too, I think. It, like, yeah. completely silences him. And then there's, of course, like, they, they, you know, they make it up to the top. Everybody's happy. They all, you know, give each other a pat on the back. But there's this kind of Aizawa, I call it the exit speech, where he basically admits that he knew they could. And, you know, I had this note. I have never once felt this way about Aizawa, but this felt like a Kakashi moment from Naruto. Like, he felt more like Kakashi in this moment than he did Aizawa, and I don't know why. I don't know why I've never made that correlation before, uh, but for some I reason it made felt that I that correlation way. real early on. You might have, yeah. I mean, he but very just... much is a Kakashi-esque character, very oh, definitely. level-headed, definitely. but very effective. Um, I like what he says, too. He says, and this is kind of the end of these episodes, he says, until the provisional exam, I will continue to build many walls before you, and I expect you to overcome them all. And I really like that. That's a good teacher moment for Aizawa. It definitely was. And I, I think what I'm trying to get at with the Kakashi thing is Kakashi has this thing in Naruto where it seems like all of his past groups have always failed. Like he's never accepted three underlings until Naruto and the, you know, the other two. Uh, and in this, it feels to me sort of like that. Like, I don't know that Aizawa has ever had a homeroom that he's been as proud of as class 1A. He has communicated that multiple times like i think he says something very similar to that to miss joke um when they're actually watching the provisional exam um because she's she's talking about how how he's how he is talking about 1a and she's like you know this is very different than what you would normally say and he goes on to talk about like this class is different uh and what, yeah. one of the things he talks about is like there are these two there are two people in this class that everybody looks to for leadership, regardless of the circumstance. And of course, he's talking about Bakugo and Midoriya, right. not talking about the class president, you know. Um, and he's he's very fond of this group, um, particularly taken with them. And he really believes in them. And that is communicated in that one line uh, at the end of the OVAs. Um, and in a lot of the ways that he trusts them, like the summer camp arc, right, um, where the the villains descend on the camp. And he's just like, gets on that the little radio and he's like i know you're not supposed to use your quirks do it like he trusts yeah. them he, he trusts them to do, do it. it take care of it yeah yep. take care of business man um he he has a lot of a lot of trust in them and i i yeah. like that yeah he's an awesome teacher man it, this has been a lot of fun like i have loved these two ovas they were silly they were super silly but it was just so much fun to have these characters back for a little bit yeah they were i mean relative to what we're used to in the main anime i would consider them fairly low action um there was a lot of like uh like generated tension that that felt like it didn't have to be generated the way that it, it was, was totally fake tension yeah. the whole time yeah because at any moment any of these pro heroes could have swooped in and saved them yeah we, we know that they were going to be okay yeah but it was still a lot of fun and it gets me super amped up to return to episode one season five where we are going to see hawks and uh endeavor fight off against this nomu like yeah there that follow-up is going to be so crazy if the if the ovas did nothing else it i think that their primary purpose was just to get you amped for season five i mean just to Absolutely. even remind you that season five is a thing because 2020 has been one hell of a distraction 
<laughs> yeah. And so it's like, hey guys, don't don't forget, like this is this is still going to be a good thing. I pro- 2020 may be a literal dumpster fire, but there's this one good thing maybe, and it's still coming. Um, and so if they did nothing else for the viewers than that, I'm I'm content with that. Definitely, that's exactly how I feel. Well, man, I think this covers the OVAs. It's been a lot of fun. It yeah, it has. I mean, I'm I'm kind of sad to walk away from them and return to Vigilantes, and only because of the medium. I mean, Vigilantes has been great, but I re- there's just something else to watching the anime and uh, and these characters in particular. Even though my favorite one wasn't featured at all. Um, I mean, Aizawa was there for sure, but my favorite student wasn't wasn't at at all in these at all. Um, but Anyway, they they were good. They were fine fare. I mean, they they were definitely satisfying. I will I will give them that much. Definitely. And you know, I think I touched on this a bit in our last Vigilantes episode. The voice acting that these people that are working on these shows do or like it just it brings this to life. I mean, it adds so much to these characters. You know, reading Koichi and Popstep and Knuckle Duster has been awesome. But I feel like if there was an animation of that, like whoever they cast would just be able to bring those characters to life. It, it just makes such a difference to me. Yeah. And you had to watch these the way that God intended them to be watched, didn't you? And I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. I mean, I don't mind it. It's just whenever I do that, I have to do a, I basically have to watch it three times. Like I like to watch it once <laughs> yeah. to enjoy it, watch it again to take notes. And then while I'm doing that second watch through, I'm pausing, backing up 10 seconds, writing, play pause back up 10 seconds you know like i do a lot of stop and take notes so yep. uh english version is a little bit easier because i can i don't want to say just watch it once but i can effectively just watch it twice yeah i hear you i hear you i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to watch it with subtitles um but you you do you man the lord's word and, uh, you're doing the lord's word hopefully we'll get <laughs> we'll get season five here in the next couple months and, and we'll be able to circle back around to that and you know vigilantes will probably get relegated off to some um some filler episodes or the equivalent of filler episodes. Cause I want to keep reading that for sure. Um, and that, that content is still being produced, um, with, with relative frequency. Plus we got, I'm going to be doing some, uh, school brief filler episodes coming up and we've got more episode or more volumes of smash to work through. If we want to do that, there's still in, in an absence of the anime, there's still an awful lot of really good, my hero content. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're uh, you're going to kill it with those individual episode reviews. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about those. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep them short and sweet, and hopefully the first one comes out in the next few weeks when, when this uh, episode goes live. So stay tuned, as always. We will see you hopefully in about a week and a half, two weeks. Yep, something something around like that. We'll we'll see you. you, you just just stay uh, stay subscribed. That's what we want. Stay subscribed. <laughs> we'll bring you uh, the next four chapters of Vigilantes very soon. All right, see you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Almighty Pod or follow at Back Patio Net for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. 